0: Adam Wolf is back to chat about his practice, the Movement Guild, his upcoming second book, and the knowledge rabbit hole he's dove into recently. What's up, everybody? My name is John Campione, and this is the Rock Tape Podcast. Well, let's officially get started here with Adam Wolf, back and better than ever with uh, the Rock Tape Podcast. What have you been up to lately, man? We're all in quarantine. What's your, how, how do you quarantine?
1: <laughs> oh, man, like, I, you know, nothing much has changed. I sort of realized that I sort of socially isolated anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, I like I feel really good. Somebody asked me the other day, how do I feel? How's it going with homeschooling and everything? And I was like, well, I feel okay with it. You know, other than, you know, obviously like work and I'm losing money like everyone is. And work's a little bit less, way less busy. And we've closed down most of what we have uh, everything but physical therapy for the most part even a lot of that we're trying to do telehealth but some we just need to see but yeah. uh so um somebody asked me how we're how's it going and besides like work like now my life hasn't really changed that much actually it's been nice because i don't typically do a lot on the weekends anyway and so now there's zero pressure to go anywhere or do anything during the week i have like things to do with my kids for school and you know i'm getting workouts in i'm actually strangely sore in a way that I haven't for a couple of reasons. One, I'm sitting around more. So I feel like the effects of sitting around and this is like moving less in my day. And then two, right. I'm also working out more because I have more time in my day. Right. So like I'm and so that combination of like muscle soreness and not moving as much in my day. It's sort of strange for me. I'm, and what about you? What about you?
0: Uh, I, I feel you, you know, like, uh, you know, my, my wife, Christina, she's, she's a very much my, uh, my uh better half and and definitely balances me but i'm i'm an introvert like she's like oh man i wish we could go out and do this or that and i'm like i could stay in all day (laughs) it's fantastic like i'm ready of course there's other things that i'm worried about but it's like yeah i can i can chill all day long myself so yeah Yeah. i'm the same way with you though i've been noticing getting a lot of like stiffness and tightness i've been stuck in chairs for about I don't know how many, I think I counted it. It's been like 25 days officially, but like my workload got busier at home uh, because I had to get all my lectures produced and, and put up and, you know, yeah. talking to students and scheduling meetings with them on zoom and stuff like that. So I'm about the same, the same boat you are.
1: But then you're going to like sit around a lot more cause now it's all done and you, it's all like autopilot now for you. Eh, let's now. hope I always want to change yeah, stuff. I'm, so. I'm- <laughs> I get it, man. Yeah, it's good. You. i have also like, you've been taking the opportunity. I'm learning. I'm trying to wrap up some projects. I've always got a few going on, and uh, so that's been good. And yeah, I can't complain, man. It's fine. I'm gonna sit back and try to go slow anyway. Work on like stimulating my vagus nerve.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Stuff we've been talking about a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, you. Uh, you said I think you said in a text message uh, a while back you were doing a lot more drumming.
1: I am playing a lot more drums, yeah, like uh, I got a set of drums probably like a year almost a year and a half ago, and I've been taking lessons for about six months so it's been a lot of fun I like it uh, so I've been practicing a lot got a lot of time and I've, uh, the guy that gave me lessons is sort of giving me uh, sort of rudiments not only for your hands but your feet and be able to like get things working <clears throat> on their own and so it's been a lot of fun called fat back exercises. Um, <laughs> Fat back. Yeah. Like, you know, like bacon, bacon fat back. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny, but uh, yeah, it's just yeah, I love it. I love playing drums. I got a list. I do it every day when I get home and my wife is like, I'm crabby. And Jessica tells me to go downstairs and play the drums and I'll be down for 10 minutes and 35 minutes later, I come back upstairs. i got a smile on my face. Do you, have any per, do you have
0: any favorite songs that you can play
1: yet? I mean, they're all beats. Like, I can't play songs. Yeah. I mean, like I've been playing a lot of like uh, stacks, Stacks Records, like, uh, i show you the shirt. Yeah, stacks Records, Memphis Sound, like Otis Redding uh, type stuff, a lot of that. Um, I, I, there's a song by John Lennon that I've been playing a lot of recently the past few days because I've been see, you know, saying to myself, like, strange days. So, like, the doors, uh, strange day, all these kind of things. But the, the Beatles have, nobody told me there'd be days like these, strange days. So, that, I've been playing that song, Nobody Told Me by John Lennon recently. I got all sorts of stuff. I'm trying to learn the halftime shuffle for those of you and if you know, Led Zeppelin fool in the rain or anything, mostly by, uh, by, uh, Steely Dan, because the Purdy shuffle, a halftime shuffle is called the Purdy shuffle and it's like a halftime beat. And anyway, (laughs) I geek out on like the movement component of it. It really is matrix, you know, movement and music are the same thing. And so these exercises, these back back exercises, it's basically if you count out like one and a two and a three and a, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's if you go from one to two and then two to, whatever, then back to one or like those phrases there. It's where you can put the bass note, like your right foot. There's four places to put the bass note in the music signature before the, the one, like one and so before the, the de- so it's learning to play where you can put that bass note or any note really before the one and then after the one. And there's like four spots before and three spots after. And so it really just become like matrices. And if I think about like a squat matrix, which we've talked about, or like matrices of combining three dimensions, it really is just like in my head, it's fun because it's just splicing it a little differently. I don't know. It's fun.
0: That's pretty cool. I love, why, yeah. I love watching you geek into this stuff because I, I can like almost physically see you fall into a rabbit hole and I like it.
1: <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll take a picture and record it and, and send it to you so you can get an idea as to what I'm talking about and can edit it in right here.
0: <laughs> I'll throw it in there. You, maybe we'll we'll put some of your beats at the end of the episode or something like that.
1: There you go.
0: Yeah. So you've got a lot of projects that you were mentioning before, but one in particular that I uh, was interested in talking to you about is you have a uh, second book in the works.
1: I do, it's almost done. Yeah, that's one of the projects I've been working on as uh as I've been sitting around. I always have kind of a couple few going on, so in addition to my facility which is going on it's 12th month it's in this 12th month now the movement guild which i opened last may and it's in the uh, middle of april right now so the irony is it's not very busy it's the least busy month we've had but i guess that's not a bad thing it's all things considered yeah so i've been taking the time and i've uh, trying to finish up the second book here yeah i mean i'm real excited about it i wrote a couple of them i think my first one came out at the very end of 2016 I and so it's so, been yeah. a little while and actually yeah and then when i I kind of got started real hard after that first one on the second one and sort of for a bunch of reasons, put it down for over a year and then came back to it about a year ago. Mm. And so just the final points right now, it's actually being edited for English and grammar sort of set up into a book, but it's i I'm excited about it.
0: It's an interesting process. Uh, I, I obviously never, you know, gone, gone into that. I mean, you can maybe even go back to your first book when, when, when that idea came to be, where do you start with that? Obviously you've got the ideas you want to put them down on paper, but like to make it a book, what's the first step?
1: Where do you go from there? Yeah, you just, well, you just have to do a little bit a lot. You know what I mean? Like I feel like when I'm diligent and good, I'll do like an hour a day or four or five days a week for an hour and a half, whatever works out to me, but like continuing to do it. And I think I've always been like one as I learn to take notes on what I learn and when I learn I tend to learn around a topic so I'll like decide about I want to learn about today it's the insular cortex so I've got you know pieces out here and so I'll, I'll read about the insular cortex from a number of different places right and or I'll read about gate from a number of different sources or control whatever it is and so I tend to take notes on that and one of the things I kind of realize that i'm good at is synthesizing information and so i'll i'll find a number of topics a number of resources a better way to say it, i'll find a number of resources around one topic and take a bunch of notes and then from there i just sort of write all those notes in my in hand i transcribe them into a computer a lot of times or if i find like quotes as i'm reading you know highlighted, and then what i do is i go through And I I write down those quotes and the page number that I found it at and all those things. And after a while, I just have like a large resource about various subjects that I study. And that's sort of my evolution of like learning. That's kind of where I'm at right now as I do that. So from there, it's really easy to sort of just take that outline. And that's sort of where the book became from. Actually, I was, the book is on, uh, I just changed the title sort of this week. Uh, I had a working title and the working title was uh, my fundamentals of intervention. Mm-hmm. And I was challenged uh, a couple few years ago by a friend and mentor to who I was teaching with uh, Lenny Parasino. I'm sure you've heard me mention that name. Mm-hmm. And you know, that if, what are my fundamentals of intervention? Cause if him and I were going to teach together, like what can we anchor to? And, and so that got me thinking and kind of writing them down. And from there, I kind of started to write more and more on it. And so the book was written with what my five fundamentals of intervention or what my fundamentals of intervention are and became sort of five hierarchically. And what that became is a thought process of regardless of who comes to me and what stage of whatever, you know, people come to me, most people are in pain and we'll call it dysfunction or whatever we want to call it. And so regardless of that, like what are the consistencies that I can anchor to there to help that person uh, feel and move better and make changes that they probably need to make. And, you know, kind of recognizing and trying to anchor to consistent principles. And so that's sort of what the book became is the working title was fundamentals of intervention. I think, I think we changed it to fundamentals of movement, a brain based perspective, or it might be a musculoskeletal perspective on brain based I don't know. We're still working on it, but, uh, (laughs) that's what it is. It's just sort of like my hierarchy of what to do with who, regardless what it is, like what to do when and why. And so that's what the book really lays out in detail. My first book was a lot of, was a good process. And this one was, you know, different. Was it harder? I don't know. I think the process of writing is easier. I'm more comfortable with just like putting my thought to paper and not getting caught up in the minutia of trying to correct what's not written correctly or the run on sentence or any of that. I just really try to like get as much information down and then hash it out from there and kind of, tighten it and tighten it and tighten it and yeah. so that's my process of writing i'm kind of rambling but that's what my process sort of is uh, has been on the book it's been fun i like it so how do you go
0: from you know your your thoughts on paper and maybe even writing it down into into how you would see the chapters to really making it a book i mean you you mentioned that there's a process of editing and, and going through and obviously there's like formatting you mentioned beforehand how uh, you're you're getting images done and stuff like that. You know, like is there somebody overseeing this kind of thing, helping you out with it, or is this something that? You yeah, know? the
1: first time I did it around. You know, this time has been easier from that because I sort of know what to expect. And I did it with my first one, and the publisher that I was working with sort of really helped to guide me through that process. Of you know, I wrote the bulk of it, and then he kind of read it, said you need to expand here, and you need to. So there's been pieces of that, and then in terms of okay, now you need uh, a forward and you need acknowledgement and you need to write who the book is for and all those kind of pieces. So I got, had those ideas of what to write and just sort of went through the same process of starting with my hierarchy and going from there Yeah, and then just filling in those gaps. And then what the editor right now, who, who I've hired to, you know, work on it for grammar and English and putting it into a book sort of has done that. And now at the same time, what I wanted to do on that first and I did, and I've gotten to on the second one, is, you know, it really does look at it from a brain-based perspective. And I know you and I kind of geek out on that, but a a colleague and friend of mine, uh, Dr. Mike Drzewicki, who's sort of a a functional, uh, applied chiropractic neurologist, for whatever we're going to call him, Uh, but he edited the book sort of for neuro editing, I like to call it. So as I was going through sort of my thought process of like why I would choose from my simple level, I feel of using a brain-based perspective. I don't even know what else to call it. A brain-based perspective is how I heard it called. And then he can get more depth in it. So he goes through and says, you know, at certain points uh, we have like neural boxes where he sort of fills out and says, well, here's what's going on in my thought process more from an applied neurology perspective. Uh, so it's been fun. I'm, I'm very excited. It's about twice the size of the first one. And so the process of doing it, I mean, I guess I just knew what to expect. I knew like where to put pictures, I knew how to caption the pictures to be able to translate it a lot more of an easy process the second time from the first time when I was sort of reacting to what he was saying. I just sort of got it all together at this point and then paid somebody and paying somebody to help with the rest of it. So you uh I'm good at causing things to be done.
0: <laughs> you got into uh, a lot of the brain based stuff uh you know, not too long ago, but um stuff that you and I, like you said, we geek out with all the time. You know, we always kind of shoot weird questions back and forth that anybody who looks at our tech stream would be like, what the hell are these guys talking about? But um, what was the catalyst for you kind of jumping into kind of more of the neural realm? And you're doing some really cool education and you're going through different uh, uh, certifications to really kind of uh, uh, evolve your practice and and make it more that brain-based approach.
1: Yeah, uh, so like... I don't even know like what I guess I started my friend and colleague and I guess mentor Nick Studholm who uh, you know I've hosted things with before um, he's a chiropractor and I did the gift program with him and so he got involved with a little bit of Carrick stuff in yeah. Carrick he got involved with uh, ethno so functional neuro, neuro- rehab and he did it the first year through and I was an educator for them and he suggested that I do it and so I went through and did the whole it was a hundred and 50-hour series at that point. Uh, and I did that. And, you know, from there, I think I did it in 2016 and 7. I guess 17 is when I really started to go heavy and kind of continue to learn from there. And, you know, just being in Chicago, there's some really uh, talented uh, clinicians here that understand that thought process really well. Mm. And I kind of joke as I was learning it, you know, because I felt like, I feel like I know three-dimensional integrated movement pretty well. And I still, I talk a lot about it in the book and you know, how my thought process has evolved and why and you know still anchoring to those principles and uh i kind of joked for a while that i wasted the first you know 10 11, 12 years of my career knowing integrated motion so well because it was all just the brain anyway and i think there's now a slide in what we're teaching for rock tape that eric cobb said it really eloquently that uh you know, you were, we were treating neurology we just didn't know it right and so that <laughs> these things i was doing to enhance And I heard, you know, another friend said it a little differently also. And so you were just affecting the brain. You just didn't realize you were. And so now just understanding those circuits. And the more as I started to learn about it, and even at a simplistic level, right, because like neurology gets so in-depth and it's so intimidating. But uh, simple understandings of the complexity really do make a difference in terms of some of these people that we work with. That don't always get better with like just the traditional musculoskeletal approach. Right. So just even from the simplistic viewpoint of like, Hey, I see, I know that the and I was talking about like, if you know what should happen, you could see if it happens or not. And whether that's moving and reaching somewhere and seeing the reactions or whether it's looking somewhere and Or not looking somewhere, you know, you could see the reactions that occur. And if it doesn't occur when you'd expect it to, then you have to say, well, why not. And so even from a viewpoint of like watching somebody's pursuits as they're looking and you see like You know, the sexy turbosaccotic intrusion, but like a bump in the eyes when they should be smooth. Right? You're like, oh, okay, well, I know that that shouldn't be there. And so you start to piece together these people that have chronic pain or they have bilateral pain in both sides, you know, same joint, both sides kind of, or pain that floats or pain all on one side of their body or pain that keeps coming back if they don't do their exercises. Like these are people that, you know, are not integrating the brain as well as they can and so i guess the more i started to learn about it from that simple point uh and Ethnor gets deep into it so like even simple is deep right but like continuing to learn and ask these questions about it and just like more and more understanding of it you know i just feel like it's such a powerful intervention to assess and then i started to become interested you know in my conversations with what we'll call what i like to call sort of subclinical integration dysfunction or this idea about like you know, is there an opportunity to improve the way the brain's taking up information? And if you think about the brain, what, you know, I love this Capo talks about the brain being a submarine driver. And I'm sure he heard that from someone. I don't know. I always just quote him on it. But, you know, the the submarine driver doesn't know where they're driving the submarine. The submarine driver gets information from the person looking through the periscope and the person on the sonar and the person measuring, you know, all this and that. So based on that, they're saying steer up, steer down, steer left, steer right. And that's what's happening in the brain. I mean, we know this. And so just having that ability to like understand and look at how is the brain taking up information? How is the brain reconciling The differences between, you know, the proprioceptive system and the vestibular system and the, uh, and the visual system. And is the, is it, are those systems giving the brain the same information? Or are those systems giving the brain information that's similar, but a little different? And if it's a little bit different, now your brain needs to reconcile that information before it can like interpret. And that takes cognition, right? And so now you're using your cognitive brain to help your reactive brain. And that could be seen through gate. If you know what to look for, you know, it just becomes so exciting for me. Uh, and it really has sort of helped to close the gap in those and in, in, in helping those tough patients to get better. I'm rambling. I'll shut up now, but no, no that, man. that's sort of somewhat my path has been. And, and then, you know, in Chicago, I just happen to be good friends with some of these people that are really good at it. And guy, the guy that I wrote, talked about Mike wiki He works for this place here in Chicago called the, uh, uh, what, the Neurological Wellness Institute. And he's, you know, his partners I'm friends with uh, and, and including Dave Traster, who's one of the educators for the Carrick Institute. And he just happens to be a, a, a friend of mine. And so I just, you know, I'm able to like be one-on-one and kind of share a beer with these guys sure. and ask them like really tough questions and geek out in our conversations can tend to go down some, you know, intense rabbit holes. That's great for me because they're so far beyond me. It's nice for me. And I have to go to each of these people different. Like I've got a good group, but I, you know, I have, sometimes I have like half baked ideas. And so when I have half baked ideas, I can't go to Traster. I was just joking with him this week about it. I have to go like really specific with him because otherwise he's like, you know, it depends, but Mike, I can go to and be like coming to him with a half baked idea or a half thought something out idea. And he'll help me to sort of flesh it out. So it's fun. I feel you know fortunate that I just happen to, Uh, these happen to be my friends.
0: I'm very interested to know what a half-baked idea is to you.
1: I don't know. Just like, you know, uh, you say something that's sort of true but not entirely true and it's contextual and, you know, you just need to flesh it out a little bit more. But just something that, you know, it could be, it depends. Like an it depends answer is a half-baked idea, right? Like most of the time, in my opinion. And when I get most of those, most of what we get in terms of questions, and that's fine. But when people are coming to us with those questions of, you know, well, the, well, it depends. Okay. Well, not everything depends. Most things depend. Like if you can get really specific in your question mm. and what you're asking, we can give you a specific answer, but yeah. you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you also were telling me that you are getting into, uh, I believe it's vestibular rehab specifically. You're doing this uh, vestibular rehab program um
1: i am i'm in the uh i think it's the fourth week truth be told i'm like a week behind because i'm trying to finish up this book but it's a certificate of competency in vestibular rehabilitation and it's a uh, 16-week lesson kind of course that summates with uh you know a couple of in-person experiences to test out but it's run through 360 neuro and it's pretty cool you know it's going through all these things and i felt like as i was starting to like put together the book a little bit more and get more in depth and start to understand. I just wanted to like have a, a deeper knowledge. Uh, I don't really anticipate working with a lot of clinical dizzy patient. Maybe I will. I mean, I see like the occasional, you know, I think it's more post-concussive and some of these things, but just again, for me, it's like understanding the pathways. And when you're talking about a BPPV or you're talking about a concussion or whatever, you're just really talking about like a clinical dysfunction, but those pathways, you know, they're, they're going to demonstrate and, and have those same characteristics to a lesser extreme if you know what to look for. So there's also, like, if you know the clinical, in my opinion, the subclinical, it also, like, applying the you – know, it also applies. So at least that's where I'm at right now. We'll see. Maybe my practice will be totally different in a year and a half and all I'll be doing is dizzy.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's something that I always – Kind of hark
1: on. I also let me finish. I'm also finishing up that Z Health that uh, you and I were gifted by the uh, Z Health, and I'm really enjoying it. Jessica, and my wife, and I are doing uh, the online essentials course, and we're about done with that. So, you know, at home, I'm finishing up my book, doing the 360 Neuro uh, Certificate of Competency, and then I'm finishing up that online essentials. So it's been a bit, i I'm geeking out, to be honest with you. But okay, now go ahead.
0: <laughs> well, but you you pointed it out a couple times, and that's something that I always try to harp on with with uh, students and people that I talk to is like, you know, we might study a lot of these pathologies and when we get into neuro, this is what a lot of people talk about is they go, oh, well, you know, are we dealing with this, like, you know, cerebellar ataxia, or you're dealing with, you know, some severe vertigo. It's like, no, I wanna learn this because I'm dealing with people that have signs and symptoms that haven't yet reached that pathology. You said the word that I use all right. the time, clinical you're looking for like yeah. optimal brain function and you take all of that knowledge you have with 3d motion and the biomechanics and now you start to adapt it with some of that neuro stuff you're really just kind of wrapping it all up into that neat package i think
1: it's nice yeah it's fun it keeps it interesting for me i mean i sort of get i get uh, bored as you know yeah. so it keeps it interesting and you know and the reality is here's the thing if you have cervical pain you have otolithic dysfunction, right, at some level because your otoliths are related to your cervical spine. We see it all the time. And these systems are so interrelated and there's no one way to isolate a system that you start to have to test these systems against each other. If you have shoulder pain, or you would then, or you have hip pain, you have vestibular dysfunction to some, at some level because your rubrospinal tract, which, which innervates your proximal joints, right? has to go through your vestibular nucleus. I think it's your medial vestibular nucleus on the way up. So even at some level, there's the influence. You can influence things on the way up through these vestibio ocular systems or these relay stations, right? The cerebellum comes in and the, all these pieces come in there and It's just like recognizing it. If you know what to look for, that's that's what i have like. And, and as I say, when I go and watch these chiropractic neurologists or these who are mainly trained by the Carrick Institute, Dave Traster and Mike Jerswicky, mostly, when I would go watch them work at first, it reminded me, and it reminds me of integrated movement and applied functional science. And, And what I mean by that to take a step back, you know, people come in, they watch me and my thought process. A lot of times if you were to watch or when I would watch Gary Gray, and these people that understand integrated movement really well and you watch it done the first time and you're like, wow, that was amazingly simple. And then you're like, I want to learn more about that because that was so simple and I want to do it. Or you like, we were hearing a drum solo, a conga solo. And you're like, I want to do that. That looks so simple what he did. I going mean, you buy a conga and you like, and you can't bang on it. Right. I remember doing that once too, but <laughs> you see it and then you start learning about it. And you're like, holy crap, this is so complex. And how do I even then you just like get lost and defeated from it, right? Yeah. And, and to go there and recognize like, uh, you know, to, to, to see how that could be useful and to see then like, as you're going along, and as you start to learn and you start to understand the anatomy and you start to understand, as Gary would say, the principles of the topic and how that leads to strategies of intervention, which leads to your techniques that you're going to use. And the techniques become really easy and over time you do it. And then all of a sudden like it's simple. And so I, I remember when I was looking at this brain base and experiencing, like seeing it done and then experiencing it on myself thinking, wow, that was amazingly simple, like what they did. He understood, he looked at the pathways, he watched my eyes move, he, he looked at my cerebellum, he tested this part of my brain based on this, and he put it together. And then my intervention was amazingly simple, like, look here and focus on it, or do no-nos, or whatever the exercise is, as I'm doing some sort of complicated, or not, you know, complex movement or whatnot. But the, the intervention, my point is, becomes amazingly simple. And I remember, like, this brain based approach when you really understand it and you understand the anatomy and whether it's three dimensional movement or whether it's uh, you know, neuroanatomy, you need to just know the anatomy. And when you know it, then you can apply it and you can see if it's working or not. And you can drive the system is really what it is and understanding what should happen when you drive the specific system. And so to tie this together, you know, that first time that I saw somebody do that brain based approach, I was like, wow, that's amazingly simple just like I thought when Gary Grayer, or I watched Gary do it. And then I went and learned about it and I was like, wow, this is amazingly complicated. I can't believe how, you know, how crazy it is. But then to arrive back at like a simple intervention based on like your complex understanding of the material and like the density of the material. I don't know. You can tell I'm excited about it. I don't even know where I'm going at this point, but it's cool. It's, it's fun. And that's, what's cool for me. And that's what it reminds me of. And that's why I think that like, reconciling and this idea about like this brain based approach and applying it to what like true movement is and how it applies to anatomy and musculoskeletal anatomy it's exciting for me it's fun
0: i think it's really cool to appreciate back when we were in school how complex everything is and then you start to realize that exactly what you said is like well once i understand the anatomy and that's something i've heard a lot is uh, us always fall back on your anatomy once you kind of get that It's that weird moment where you're like, wait, all I have to do is this one thing? Yeah, that's it. Well, that's too simple. Well, no, it's not too simple because everything we did up until that point is what you needed to know for you to understand why you need to do something like your VORs or saccades or something like that.
1: Right. And the fun part about it is then if you do it and you like, instead of throwing a bunch of shit against the wall and seeing seeing what sticks, you can like, when you do, which if you start to apply this stuff you're going to wind people up at some point, right? And so the nice thing about it if is you're layering it and you do something and you wind them up and they feel worse afterwards. Theoretically, this stuff works so quickly that you should be able to wind them down just as easily based on like, you know, if you're on the right track and you know your anatomy and you're, you know, looking specific and you do something, the opposite should then make them better. And if not, then you're too deep in the rabbit hole and go somewhere
0: (laughs) else. Just back off a little bit there. So can we expect uh, some, uh, some neuro interventions in that new book?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess let's define what neuro intervention means, but you know, there's definitely like neuro thought processes. Yeah. You know, I talk about the process of like working with people in pain and talk about real and relative motion. And I talk about you know, motor control and how to utilize like these processes of up or down regulating and so yeah there's like interventions you know uh even like what we talk about i feel like i apply and take what we learned in, in blades a lot in terms of like accessing these mechanoreceptors and these interoceptors to bring up or down the system and sure. how to just apply that on a larger level so yeah i think there are um yeah i think there are yeah and, and then the question that i've been thinking a lot about and we'll discuss a little is like when do these neuro we'll call neuro interventions so a vestibulocular intervention or a cerebellar rapid alternating movement or when do I what I've been thinking about is when do I apply uh when do I have somebody do that intervention in between a musculoskeletal set so maybe I have somebody do some sort of isometric hold or step up or down. And when do I, you know, after they do that, then go to like a VOR exercise or something to a saccades or whatever I'm going to do or, you know, whatever the exercise is, when do I do it in between is sort of what I'll call an active recovery versus when do you layer it during the activity, right? Like when do I maybe like do a hold with a VOR and a complex movement versus maybe just doing one of those things. Maybe I just do like a VOR repeatedly over and over and over and over. So I think it depending on like the threshold of who we're working with, you know, sometimes you want to do one. And sometimes sometimes I just want to do like the simple exercise repeatedly over and over. Sometimes I want to do that more neuro based exercise in between musculoskeletal sets. Sometimes I want to do it as I'm doing a musculoskeletal set. And I think it depends on the person and the threshold and and all those things. And we discussed that too. So it's fun.
0: So is this more of a manual for a practitioner that can read through it and, you know, start to Uh, kind of build that process kind of like how you do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think what it's turning into is sort of, I think it's going to be, uh, as people have read it, that I respect and sort of starting to write feedback for it. It's going to be uh, for the musculoskeletal, traditional musculoskeletal driven therapist that wants to start applying a brain based approach to interventions. It's going to be like that sort of bridge. It's going to be, you know, my philosophy when I teach anytime is to like give you information that will help you right away but also like leave you with more questions as to where to go and find more information. And that's yeah. what this is too. I think that that's what this book is, is. The first one is also, but the second one, I think even more in terms of uh, giving you relevant pieces that you can use right now with a level of depth to why, but then also it's gonna leave you wanting more information because it doesn't go crazy in depth about any one specific topic, particularly around neuroanatomy and these kind of intervention pieces whatever but it's movement interventions or whatever. And so uh, it's going to then direct you to these other places. So um, yeah, I don't, I, it's, it's going to, that's, that's sort of then become the philosophy yeah. of, what it, of what it is.
0: I think that's a good point to make is, you know, you have gotten into the neuro and you've seen all the textbooks with neurology, how thick those are. If you got into more of that depth without leaving any questions unanswered, then yeah, that principle of a neuroscience. <laughs>
1: You're your, reading your about be, the. Uh, to- I'm reading. I'm reading about the Papez circuit right now, the neural oh, circuit yeah. for emotional um, proposed by James Papez. Anyway, amygdala is part of the limbic system, most specifically involved with emotional experience. Jan. <laughs> Page 988, Part Seven: arousal, emotion, and behavioral homeostasis. In Chapter Fifty. Yeah.
0: And you Jesus. say page nine uh, nine eighty eight, and then I look at kind of how much you're holding of the book, yeah. and it doesn't even look like, like 1400
1: you're halfway. Fourteen hundred pages. You fourteen hundred pages. Yeah, I just say over halfway. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah.
0: So diving down that rabbit hole, it's been a fun time at your house. What are you drinking right now? But again,
1: like you know what? I, but like this gets back to, like to bring this back, you know, circle it back. Like I don't read that. I don't lay down and read that book like chapter to chapter. Like I was like, I want to know more about the amygdala. And the limbic system today, the insula. So like I went and pulled this out and a couple of other, you know, textbooks out and when I left at my clinic, but I'll get it tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> what
0: are you drinking over there?
1: A noon, whistle. a noon whistle. It's a gummy vortex, Northeast India pale ale.
0: Yeah, it's nice. All those words. I don't know what you're saying. I got the Indian pale. It's out an India,
1: so it's a gummy I mean, noon whistle is right down the street from where you teach my dude. It's at, like in Lombard. It's on Lombard off of Roosevelt. You know, where like the guitar center is on the West side of Roosevelt. Yes. It's just past there. It's just north. It's, what is that? Yeah. East of there. Villa on Park, Roosevelt. On it's, it's in, it's in, it's in uh, Lombard there. So it's on the West side of the street. And they've got like the best beer around, Noon Whistle Brewing. Uh-huh. And then they make like hazy pale ales, like uh, northeast like, uh, uh, pale ales. And so it's really – it's uh, if you know, you know. And if you don't know, now you know. Now you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when so can we like, expect? What, it's Tuesday afternoon, isn't it? I mean, what is today? Shit, I don't even – Today is Friday, Friday
0: afternoon, man. Of, you know,
1: yesterday – I know. I'm joking. But like, yeah, yesterday <laughs> – wait, Wednesday – I didn't have any patients. I had nothing to do Wednesday. Like, you know, no time set schedule. And like I took a nap at 945. Like at 1030, I'm still laying in bed. But it was, it like it was Sunday. I wanted to have like a mimosa, you know?
0: It's a weird weird time, right?
1: Strange days, man. <laughs> so when can we expect uh, the new book? It's April ten right now. I'm hoping like beginning of May, that's my goal. I want to get it done while we're all still quarantined. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody has time to read it. Yeah. I'll make a nice special on it. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I think that it's going to be that. I actually just had a nice conversation today and hoping to couple it, or trouble it with like in my, online mentorship and offer some other experiences of like, you know, I have some courses personally that I've done anywhere between like 30 minutes and three days worth literally. So, uh, try to couple it with that and then actually try to have like some sort of social media, um, stuff around it, which I hate and I'll have, I'm good at causing things to be done. So somebody will help me with it. You're good at causing things to be done. <laughs> so, uh,
0: as a lot of people know, you know, who follow us, uh, at rock tape, we've uh, been doing a lot of these webcasts. They've been uh, extremely popular. I think you did your first one last weekend. You jumped off camera.
1: My first one, sorry, I did my first one last weekend. I something, uh had to close the door. What, what did uh, you teach? I taught, I taught Blades and Blades you? Advanced. How was that? Yeah, it was fun. I, I had such a great time, man. It was really yeah. fun. I had a sweet setup in my clinic uh, and I bought like, you know, because I do a lot of recording anyway, so I've been looking for an excuse. So I bought the nice lights, like yeah. the professional quality for like 80 bucks on eBay. I saw that. Um, from a recommendation and from a, photographer guy that I know Uh, and I had my iPad and it was fun I had a good time it was sort of uh, I I mean I don't know how well people liked it but I had a good time
0: (laughs) (laughs) did you uh, I think I did did you have uh, did you have Jessica with you did you have a model
1: to work on or were you Jessica was my model yeah yeah Jessica was my model so like when I needed her she was around the clinic and uh, you know doing her own thing and then when I needed her I would kind of call her, and she was also sort of listening in because she had sort of taking a class and the second day she sat in more, but yeah, she became my model. It was interesting because I had to sort of like ad lib. I found myself doing like, I don't always, when I would teach live practice everything that's in the deck, right? Like I'll, you know, okay, here's, I mean, and then we'll move on and I'll focus. But I, uh, found myself sort of winging it a little bit more and like, you know, expanding out and trying to like fill time, uh, of relevant information, you know, given the fact that people couldn't like practice, and they couldn't talk yeah. to other, and part of, I think, what, no one of the fun things, uh, yeah, no breakouts. And one of the fun things is, like, sort of that interacting of, like, medical professionals. But I had a good time. I teach again this coming Tuesday and Wednesday, Friday right now. So, I teach Tuesday and Wednesday, again, Blades and Blades advanced. So, that'll be fun. Well,
0: you're doing a weekday one, huh?
1: Yeah, they're doing they asked me to do a weekday. So, I'm, uh, I'm excited. It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun.
0: And if you said, I can't do weekdays, they'd probably call call bs on you I mean like you got nothing to do come on man
1: come on man yeah yeah i'm happy to do it my pleasure i'm,
0: a, I'm always interested in each instructor's like what do you find to be the biggest uh the biggest um i guess I, don't, I wouldn't say problem but you know the biggest thing from live to to these webcasts too and i i thought the same way is like i gotta fill time you know i gotta figure out a, yeah. a, a way to kind of because there's no people have to understand we have a certain amount of content because there's time to break out and practice stuff. And now it's like, eh, nobody's going to do that. Like, Hey, go set up on your couch, see what you can do.
1: Yeah. I found, you know, I, you know, I was able to offer some relevant case studies. I took some, they had the polling features. So I would like took some polls about what do you want me to case study in the afternoon and sort of talk more about. And so I came back and it was nice. I found it really nice to talk and like, and as I say to any class that I ever teach is like, listen, folks, you know, I can just go off this lecture, this deck here, and you, you I can just lecture at you, and you're going to have a great experience, and it'll be really awesome for you, I promise, but it'll be boring for me, or you can, like, ask me questions, and I can really make this fun for both of us and get it specific, so please ask me questions, and I sort of come back to that through the day, and then uh, I get a lot of questions, and I like that, and then, so the biggest part for me is, like, I don't get to laugh, like, I'm like, you know, I say all these things, and I've got these places where I know that somebody's going to this is my Rodney Dangerfield. Hey, I'm uh, going <laughs> to You know, you know, say like where the joke should be and you're waiting for the ha-ha and there's nobody that's laughing because there's fucking nobody around you. So oh, I'm like man. looking oh, back God. at my wife and being like, is that funny? And she laughs. I say, thank you, let's move on. So that was the hardest thing for yeah. me. It's like, and actually I'm watching like at home and watching like uh, Trevor Noah and Stephen Colbert and all these people, like they're doing it from home and they're saying the same thing. It's like, I don't get the, the audience interaction, you know, Conan O'Brien who needs, uh, who needs it all. It's funny.
0: I was the same way is like, I know, like you and I started together. We've been doing this for, for, uh, uh, upwards to five and a half years now.
1: Yeah. We're in yeah. our
0: sixth year really. So, uh, I was like, I know where my jokes are placed. Like this is a moment where I make a joke. Like, I'm terrified, like sweating bullets, like, oh crap, I don't know if I should make the joke or not. No, one's no gonna... that
1: becomes my joke, if that becomes my joke, because I'm like, oh, you guys are a tough crowd, and you like, and make be, yeah, you know, make fun of yourself. Yeah, but I ask people, like, and I even say to people, you know, they have the option of turning on or off their camera, and I say, if you, when you have the capacity to, please turn on your camera so I can get interaction from you as you're doing stuff, and, and so that, you know, I try to get a little bit of it and see people giggle.
0: Here's a trick, <laughs> here's a trick, since you're the host, you, uh, as the joke comes up, you click unmute everybody just so you can hear if anybody's like giggling. Oh,
1: that's good. I'm going to have to try that. Oh, i got to get a laugh track. I think I need a laugh track. That's what I'm going to do right now. Oh, my track. God. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. going to be an app for that or something. I'm going to find one right now. It's <laughs> <Straight. laughs> All right, my man. Hey. It. All right, that's it. All right. Anything
0: else you want to throw at us? Anything? Any other Come fun on, projects you got coming at us in your quarantine time?
1: I think once I'm done with the book, I don't know. I'll catch up on my six months. No, I all my notes are current. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to tighten other things. I'll probably like try to learn keyboard a little bit. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll see what it comes about. Wonder, I, try, I, I know there's some videos I want to redo. I'm going to redo some videos and tighten some that are older i've done like an exercise library a few years ago before i moved into my new space so i want to like update that i'm going to take you know uh, i like to create so i'm always sort of doing something and I'll continue to do that so, well, I don't to, know. yeah and we'll
0: see. you're still seeing some patients too so you know for anybody looking yeah. tell them about the movement guild and then anybody obviously most things being online tell them a little bit about your online mentorship and uh some of the other uh, online stuff you got
1: yeah. So the movement guild is in Chicago. It's five blocks north of where the bulls and the Hawks used to play. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and it's physical therapy, massage therapy, personal training, you have yoga and mobility classes and recovery. you have got like sauna and compression and all a bunch of stuff. So uh, that's in the city. And then you can find me at uh, the movement guild, chicago.com and all my stuff is on there. I've got some online mentor type and classes for sale including on movement, including on motor control and brain-based thought processes. I uh, just transitioned, I, I just taught my third year at uh, Rocky Mountain University School of Health Sciences. I taught a biomechanics class. as an adjunct professor online. And so I took that uh, that course, which is about 15 weeks worth of work or 14 weeks worth of work. And I transitioned that and I bolted out a little and it became this uh, online mentorship. So it's really, Sort of a, I'm calling it my foundational mentorship. And from there, I'm going to make one more clinical and make one more performance-based. But just the idea of like uh, going through integrated biomechanics, we start, we talk about this brain-based perspective for the first four or five lessons. And then we start at the foot and sort of work our way through applying all that information of brain-based integrated movement, uh, body part by body part. We start at the foot, we end at the, uh, the head and the vestibular sort of central integration. So yeah, it's a thousand bucks. I'll give everyone on here a discount. Sixteen lessons. I'll give it to y'all for eight fifty on here. We'll give that. Put that in.
0: Yeah, coupon code bargain. or something like that. You want to send
1: to me? I'll make later? a coupon code. Yeah, I'll make a coupon code. Yeah, what should be? How about uh, I don't know, rock, or rock you, coupon code.
0: Are you just saying anybody, anybody
1: at? No sort, man, we make rock place specific, man. i We make rock place specific, man. How
0: about this? We'll use the, the same code that we use for our, our, our rock tape uh, uh, shop online. How about Rockcast? R O C K C A S T.
1: Brilliant. Uh, way better than my suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I just keep it all consistent so I can remember it. <laughs> Smart man. And you guys are doing uh, if you follow uh, Adam or movement guild on uh, Instagram, you guys are doing some
1: uh, virtual. Oh yeah. Thank you for that reminder. Yeah, we're doing so. Yeah. Thank you. So like the movement guild Chicago and then Adam Wolf PT, but we're doing like uh, my wife, Jessica, who is amazing and runs the facility, the movement guild and sort of uh, the manager of the facility and does yoga and massage, but she's doing online classes, including like daily yoga and kin stretch classes. Mm. Um, And so we'll continue to do that. And then we also doing like, it was monthly, we're sort of pushing them closer together, but a movement mastery. So movement professionals, one of my missions has always been to just unite movement professionals. If you work with people in pain, you're a movement professional, If you're trying to help people to move better. And so we do a movement mastery course once a month and we started do different body parts. So we're starting, we just finished our, done it over the course of the year, started the foot. We just got through the cervical spine. So starting back at the foot, I think next week we're going to do that. And they're online. It's two hours. We've been doing it on a Friday from one to three. Um, so it's two hours. And so we'll get that up for you as well and give a rockcast discount for that. But it's uh, I think we're going to do it on the foot next. And I think that's going to be, I don't know, either the 17th or 24th. I think the 24th of April. So it's the 10th. That's two weeks from today. Yeah, that sounds right. So we're going to do one on the foot. Cool. You love they're it fun. fun. Yeah. It's fun. There's a lot to it. You know, it's one of those simple and complex right like there's 26 bones and 33 joints and it's not just one big ass bone but at the same time you know you need to look at you know relative motion and real and relative applies and motor control applies and yeah mm-hmm. it's fun powerhouse
0: <laughs> well it has been fun talking to you again my friend thank hey, you so man, much always that. yeah
1: <laughs>